Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights. This week on the show, after another embarrassing result for Southampton, we're left wondering whether it's worse to lose 9-0 for the second time in as many seasons or lose 3-2 to a nine-man Newcastle team. The race for second place continues to be up in the air as it would appear that nobody wants it. The walls of Anfield are falling down after losses to Brighton and Manchester City. Mike Dean refuses to let anyone stand in the way of his quest for ultimate power and would someone tell Thomas Suchak that this isn't the Octagon fella? My name's Darren Scott and I'm here with Bailey Hutchison. Christopher England, boys, it's good to be with you. How are you both? Uh, I, I'm still... I've just about got over Mike Dean um, <laughs> at this stage, uh, 24 hours after, so um, I'm, I'm doing okay now. And this league has completely changed. Two weeks ago I was hitting life, now, now we're back, loving it. Good. That, that sounds suspiciously like our other co-host, Bailey. Uh, well, after well he's week. he's more up and down than anyone else, so we'll get to that. Well, uh, I said Liverpool last week were back until, the, <laughs> until, until they played Manchester City. If people well, actually, listened to the, the end of last week, I said Liverpool were back until they play Manchester City, in which case they may be gone again, and that is the case. Thankfully, we're not starting with Liverpool today, so I get to go on to some, some other topics first. But if people want the long and short, and again, if people are tuning in for that exact purpose, if people want the long and short of how I'm feeling currently, um, I'm disappointed but not surprised. <laughs> it's the worst way to be. <laughs> but we'll get on to that later. Love it. Uh, Love it. We're going to start with uh, a team who have had a, well, their week started brilliantly and then sort of looked like it was going to continue to get better and then sort of um, fell away a little bit. Manchester United, um, I suppose the, the obvious talking point from this week, um, and it was a 20-match week again mm. that we had to put ourselves through. Thankfully, it was indeed. Thankfully, that looks like it's coming to an end, but uh, Man United beat Southampton 9-0. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it came from the tackle. You know, two minutes in from someone making their debut. Jankowitz. Jankowitz. It, w- it wasn't great, the tackle. Oh, no, no I, no. I think if you could show him red twice, you would. <laughs> yeah, if you could increase that three-game ban, he's getting 100%. You're up that to five or seven like that. Was, oh. it, it's one of those that it's probably the first time since VAR has been introduced where no player... Or manager or member of staff even waited for the VAR verdict. <laughs> it was that's not getting overturned. <laughs> but the thing I was most surprised by is if, if you actually looked at Southampton's team, there wasn't like you know they were all like first team squad members bar like three. You know, um, I mean it was a complete and utter collapse. You know, we talked a little bit just before we went into this segment about you know we played a little bit about the week I've had. Mm. The week I've had has not been as bad as Jan Bednarek. 
<laughs> guy scored two own goals and was sent off. Yeah, my, my thoughts just go out to anyone who had him in any sort of fantasy football team. There was there was a thing put out, someone had him triple captain. <laughs> like one, one guy, I don't, know, I don't know who this moron is, but I think there should be like a sympathy prize, you know how like... If you're like the top scorer in a certain game week on fantasy football, you get like a copy of FIFA or something. Someone give this moron who triple yes. captain Benarek something, some form of compensation here. That's hilarious. I think to be fair, you have to praise the ruthlessness of Manchester mm. United. I it's think good. a Manchester United team from maybe, maybe even like the start of this season, or, or definitely the Manchester United of last season, would not have gone and put nine past that Southampton team who they were completely there for the taking but I think it's just a huge um, sign of the progress that Manchester United have made that they were able to go and put nine um, past them. We've talked in the past about United this year have a few guys who, who like to stat pad late in the game oh, yeah. and this like those guys at halftime would have been rubbing their hands together. Oh, this absolutely. was an elite stat padding mm. session especially <laughs> once it hit nine a McTominay with that stupid smile on his face. <laughs> Once it hit nine and he's trying to get everyone back to the halfway line, he wanted ten because he knows, boys, tonight's an all-timer. Let's get the stats up. Who wants one here? Oh, I mean, he's a great player. He's a, I, I love him. He's a great player. So this is the second time that this has happened to Southampton. Yes. This I, I, I couldn't believe it. This I, I just could not year. believe it. The exact same scoreline, 9-0. It was to Leicester on that occasion. Um, and I think it prompted uh, Hasenhudel to offer up his resignation. <laughs> so did that actually happen? He like physically... I believe he offered to leave the club. And they right. said, right. this seems like an emotional decision. Yes. Ralph, maybe just hang on. And they ended up going on a really good run yeah. after this. Don't say that happening again. I don't know... like. No other manager in world football survives two nine nils with the same team. You know, it wouldn't happen under Roman Abramovich. This you'd be straight out, like you wouldn't even get out of the stadium that night. You'd be in the tunnel and sacked. Mm. But, but it's so unexplainable because, like, other than the nine nils, he's been brilliant for them. Yes, I mean, I they, they've been going really well. Like he he has got the most out of. Like I I genuinely think since Kuman, their squad really hasn't been. As you know, it's not the same as when they first got promoted and they were mm. like under Pochettino and stuff. Like, he has got the best. The squad isn't that good. Like, he's just got the absolute best out of the players that he's got. Yeah, I mean, their squad isn't that good. They've got some good. Uh, you know, James Ward Price, for example, is having a really good <gasps> oh, season. Scored another just better than Beckham free <laughs> kick, just glorious. But but we should say as well though, like. People may say in their follow-up match to that against Newcastle that Minamino scoring on his debut is the Ringland bump. But I would actually say, <laughs> rather than the Ringland bump, it was the Hassenhudel gloves. I'm which so glad you this. He wore, <laughs> so he wore them on his debut. So obviously he was always going to score, you know. That was the first thing I noticed whenever he scored that. Oh, he's got the gloves. Oh, he's teacher's pet this week. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. He's got uh, Ralph's magic gloves on. That's yep. great. That must be quite nice coming into the club and, you know, you integrate yourself within the team. You have all of your inductions and then Ralph says, you Takumi, wear these this week. <laughs> Don't ask any magic. questions. Just put them on and see what happens, fella. <laughs> all right. um, yeah. I mean, I did feel for him. A little bit during the nine nil because I don't know if you guys clocked the um when when your guy Yankovic 
um, got sent off, mm-hmm. the camera went to Hasenhudel's face. Yes. And I mean, he was just so, he didn't know what to do. He yeah. just couldn't believe what he'd just witnessed. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just this look of, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. Now, like, going forward, every time, like, Southampton get off to a rocky start, is Ralph just thinking, God, this could be nine again. Please, anything. He, he but. probably did. He probably did that game. Like, you see us hit, like, three. He's definitely thinking about it. Well, like, let's be honest. The worrying thing, I think, wasn't it four at half time? Yeah. And we've talked before about how apparently Southampton are the worst second half team in the world. So whenever it got in at four, he must have been thinking, we're in big trouble here. <laughs> this lot are getting at least five in the second half. <laughs> There's one guy, actually, I have to, have to apologise to Luke Shaw, because I made comments earlier in the season oh. where I referred to Luke Shaw as James Corden. And I've got to apologise to the guy, because he's, he's now on the plane. He's having no, a he is. <laughs> he's, he is. He's currently England's best left back. He's, yeah. he's on the pitch. On he's not only on the plane, he's on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously United um, took that 9-0 result, uh, played Everton then. Uh, this weekend and we're 2-0 up sort of um, half an hour into the game something like that and you were kind of looking like well this team are just going to push on now from that 9-0 and go really strongly into the end of the season and then we saw a pretty spirited Everton come back Carlo Ball Duncan Fergie time so it was like the, I was to see it was the I see at the reaction end. where he like ran on the pitch and you could see Carlo Carlo's been around the game long enough and I just looked at him going what are you doing <laughs> he's up here did you see us Darren uh, no I didn't <laughs> so, I, so so basically they were waiting for like the VAR or like if it would count or whatever Calvert-Lewin's Yes, okay. and, uh, and Car- Carlo was like putting his hands up, oh no, like, please, no, like, hang on. But Duncan was having none of it. properly <laughs> bear hugged him. Right, okay. Duncan was saying, I don't care about VAR, you won't take yes. the passion out of my game. Yes, okay. or COVID or anything. Right. Um, I think the most hilarious thing about the fact that, I mean, yeah, it was great that they came back and everything, but it was so funny that I, nobody noticed this and that <laughs> Harry Maguire uh, kept everyone on side. He was so preoccupied with the Everton keeper. I don't know what his name was, whoever the Everton keeper was. Robin McGuire's like trying awesome. to push him back and mm-hmm. therefore keeps everyone on side. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. I mean, talking of the Everton goalkeeper, um, he wasn't good. Well, I was going to say, I, <laughs> my, my only real notes from that game was that uh, this Olsen character makes Pickford look like O'Black. Well, here's the thing, right? Because, <laughs> see, the other games that he's played, he has been pretty good. Good and solid. And as far as I'm aware, he's the Sweden goalkeeper. I don't know what that says about him, but I think he's the Sweden starting goalkeeper. Um, but he was muck. That's <laughs> <laughs> very Roy Keane. Roy Keane of you there, Chris. He's a senior international player. Should, <laughs> be, should be better. Should be saving those. Should be saving those. Good goal by Fernandez in that game as well. Sort of Unbelievable. Well, well, it was, but Tom Davis forgot that you're allowed to close down someone on the football pitch because it's a contact sport. So I, like that, that. I like that you focused on the negative there, Chris. That's what this yeah, shit like is all for, about. Fernandez is like the guy's completely shut me up. Like, I real I really wanted to be like the biggest Fernandez hater. Like, I just wanted to be the, the one who one day this guy's gonna have a zero out of ten. And I just gotta sit there being like, I've told you this is coming, but there's absolutely no sign of it. This guy's unbelievable. Football. He's off the charts. But it's He's now leading me. I'm now confused. It's like the hierarchy of European leagues because I'm looking at being. Like, I was thinking this too, Billy. Sporting Lisbon, twenty-four yeah. year old. Yeah, well, you look at the Bundesliga, and some of the players that have come from the Bundesliga cannot adapt to English football whatsoever. Yeah, Portugal's now given Fernandez and Ruben Diaz, 
who have just come in the yeah. Premier League, settled in, and made both their teams better. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I don't understand that either. Um, what, because ostensibly the Portuguese league is clearly not as high quality as the other main European leagues. Mm. So I, I I don't understand how they just accelerate to that level. Yeah, I think for me an annoying thing about Fernandez as well is that we've kind of joked in the past about him being like this really selfish guy. Who, who you know is well, all about his own numbers and those sorts of things. Well, it is a wee bit. Well, yeah, except that when you see Manchester United scoring six, seven, eight, nine goals, like he celebrates, he loves when the <laughs> yeah. boys get a goal. So he does, and it kind of like fights against this fake narrative that we've been creating. Yeah. It's just like, no, he just this guy just likes to win. Yeah, and I he's pretty good at it. it. <laughs> yeah. Still annoying face. Um, anyway, we talked a little bit about Southampton and obviously losing 9 0 to, to United. They then followed that up with a 3 2 loss to Newcastle, who had a man sent off and also played the last 20 minutes with nine men because somebody got injured and they'd run out of subs. Um, so I suppose the question that I pose to you two is which is worse, losing 9 0 for the second time or losing 3 2 to a nine man Newcastle team? I think it's Newcastle because they're a much stronger lineup. Yeah, pitch. I think it's also have to go Newcastle as well, considering Chris has told us this Newcastle lot are down. Mm. Well, they are. I mean, they're well, they're, they're definitely pretty well. well. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Je- Je- Jeff Shrees asked, asked uh, Scott Parker. He said, "There's not many games left, Scott." And Scott went, "There's 17 games left." So that's my response. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Stop. I know. Um, on Newcastle, um, St. Maximum back. Uh, yeah. I've told you just before, he's my favourite non-Mason Mount player in the, the Premier League. The guy's electric. No, no, he is. But, but, but I was really irritated because, like, on a very personal level because um, Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson, I think, were both signed because they have one of the most ridiculously high scoring records of like a partnership, like assist to goal in Premier mm-hmm. League history at Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, and the past couple of games have played like a front two. So I thought, oh, I'll sneak in on my fantasy football team and get Ryan Fraser in because he's obviously going to start because Newcastle have to win football matches to stay in the Premier League. Dropped. Well, my yeah. thing with um, St. Maximum is th- there are those comparisons a little bit between him and Adama Traore. And I don't know if I've said this on the pod before, but I think you both know this. I I, I think Adama Traore is the most wildly overrated player in the Premier League. <laughs> Um, I think this is a guy who has made it to the Premier League based on the fact that he's quick because his ability in the final third to pick a pass, cross, shot, goal, appalling. He's got he's got better. He's got better. Listen, the guy every squirrel finds a nut every now and again. <laughs> That's what I'd say to that. The guy hasn't scored in about 40 games. He just runs quickly past people and then does nothing with it. Yeah, but he's class so, on FIFA. Come on, well, yeah. No. Uh, like that's all the guy. Like people, he's really quick, and he's obviously built in incredible shape, and he garners all of this attention that I don't believe he deserves. Well, the, well the, he doesn't that's the, same. the difference with some maximum. Is well, that, they're not the same position. No, but in terms like of back. they're both sort of these electric, quick people going forward. Yeah. But the difference is what I've seen from some maximum when he plays is that his quality to. Uh, kind of turn what he does into a tangible product for the side, i.e. goals and assists, is so much better. I was actually, I was chatting to our Newcastle United supporting friend today about St. Maximum, because I, I love the guy. Listener the International board. listener. And 
we were both saying about how the guy either drops a 10 out of 10, like he did against Southampton, or he's completely anonymous. He's just one of these Enigma-type players that on his day looks like Lionel, prime Lionel Messi. Mm. And then other days, he looks like me. Like, it's hilarious <laughs> what this guy does. But I, I'm such a fan of him. He reminds me a lot of Balassi back in the okay. day. Just, just one of these players who will, will just skin you. Like, no <laughs> bother. Like, it doesn't matter who the fullback is, he'll just skin them. Right, I don't think we can put it off any longer. Liverpool have had a less than good week. Um, um, lost 1-0 to Brighton at Anfield. Um, followed that up with a 4-1 loss to Manchester City at Anfield. Um, sitting um, very nervously in fourth in the table. Teams around them have games in hand. Uh, not been a good week for the boys. Well, one bit of respite for you, Darren, is that um, thankfully the the match was at Anfield against Brighton because um, I was made aware in the past week of a, of a good stat about Brighton and why they're still down. Um, <laughs> their last three home wins were in 2021, 2020 and 2019. So they didn't add to that. <laughs> it's a great stat to be fair. Love that. But anyway, use your muck. I'm not anything. <laughs> um, uh, I think what one positive for Liverpool and your uh, mainly Liverpool fans out of the Brighton game. Yes, Liverpool lost the game, but it would have been a lot worse had a similar thing to the Burnley game happened, where you, you, Liverpool fans are lucky that Neil Mope wasn't the person that scored. Mm, like, mm. could you imagine how low you would feel after after having one week Ashley Barnes? score the winner and then one week later Neil Mopé that'd be oh mm. wouldn't wish it upon you to be honest yeah I mean you talk about how bad Liverpool fans feel I, I don't think this week is anywhere near as bad as the Burnley week certainly for me emotionally <laughs> um I think it's a very different uh feeling I think in general you know we're now in the month of February we're now entering the time of year where the hopes of teams just begin to die <laughs> there are teams who have hopes of winning the title. There are teams who have hopes of getting into the top four. There are teams who have hopes of staying in the league and avoiding relegation. These deaths all happen at different times over the course of the season, but they will happen for pretty much everybody except City. Okay, <laughs> So we're now into that spell where the first half of the year, teams are very optimistic. Fans are very optimistic about what could happen. You get through the Christmas period. Now we're in sort of the business end of the season where the fact of the game is that some people must lose. Um, and for me, I have certainly watched a hope that I had die this week. And that's okay. It's not I, a I, nice feeling. I, 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 think, I, I yeah. feel awful for you here, actually. Yeah, I mean, if we, again, if you were to look at the individual games, they were pretty awful against uh, Brighton. I don't mm. believe they had a shot on target in 90 minutes. So that wasn't good. Um, Manchester City, like 4 1 probably flattered City. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think City are like, one of these teams that can just on their day do that. Well, um, I think what will frustrate the Liverpool fan base is that, li- listen, Liverpool weren't good. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination Liverpool were good. But if you kind of look at the City goals, their first one was was a good bit of play by Sterling and Foden. Um, before that, they, the only chance they'd had was a missed penalty. Their second and third goal then were gifted to them by goalkeeping mistakes that we'll go on to speak mm. about. And then the fourth one was a great effort by Phil Foden. But if you take out the two gifts, they really only created two, three chances. 
Why, why was uh, why did not play uh, Ben Davis, the new the new defender? I think that is um, not exactly the circumstances in which you want to be making a player <laughs> who cost less than two million pounds his debut. I don't I, think you want I, to say to him. And also, you know, what's probably, the point of signing him? Well, the guy had two training sessions this week, I, and then you want to say. There I think go. the guy's go played and, the game. You know, the, like, he knows very, how it works. No, but he's not played for Liverpool. And then you say to him here, go into the Lions Den. Go and mark look, that look, lot. Look, pe- look, people think the Championship's some kind of, like, hoorah. I mean, like, it's a pretty good preparation for the Premier League. Yeah, but you know, I know not, it's City, but, like, you can still play the game. Yeah, it's not, like, there's no forward Henderson's line not a defender. There's no forward line in the championship that's going to deal with Mares, Foden, and Sterling. Like. He's also not been aware of how Liverpool play, the patterns, all those sorts of things. You couldn't throw him in. To that well, it wouldn't situation. matter because Alisson would have just tried to pass him the ball anyway. Well, I'm not going to get so. into the crucifixion of Alisson Becker. Um, there are I do crucifixion. Have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there will be a lot of people say. on the internet this weekend who will verbally crucify. Alison Becker. I mean, I mean, it was pretty funny. Um, oh, it was. Don't get me wrong. It was very funny. Um, not from my perspective, but <laughs> I can under, I can see the objective uh, humour in it. Um, <laughs> what I noticed and what I did find a little bit funny is um, with the second one, the second mistake, kind of what I've noticed this season in general a lot is um, so many similarities between the professional game and the amateur game in terms of the things that are shouted um, the way teams set up the documentaries, you see the conversations people have. It is actually very similar to amateur football. And the second mistake from Alison Becker really highlighted for, um, to me such a massive difference between the amateur game and the professional game. Because if you make a mistake like he did for the first one at the amateur game, you're just trying to see out the 90 minutes. You kick <laughs> that ball as far away from you as possible and you just try and limit the damage. Whereas Alison, being an elite level athlete, clearly tried to do this whole, oh, I'm not going to let the first mistake affect me. I'm going to do exactly the same thing and therefore show those around me how mentally tough I am. But unfortunately, that then doesn't work if you make the same mistake again. Because then it just looks like you have terrible presence of mind. Well, uh, luckily for, for us, we, we now know why he made those errors. Because Martin Tyler kindly told us that it was a bit cold out there today, and obviously, yeah, not, not yeah, doing a great obviously, day, you know, that, yes. that's going to affect him. Cheers, He's been Martin. a bit sick recently. Mm. Oh, I oh. mean, yeah. Listen, he was not the only Liverpool player to make mistakes today, or or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I have a little bit of sympathy for human error. That being said, I do feel for him because I remember what happened the last Liverpool goalkeeper to make two mistakes in a big game. Um, so it also like for me personally, like I've talked in the past about how. Like Alison Becker makes me feel quite safe and quite comfy and it doesn't matter what's going on around him in the Liverpool team. I feel, you know, I take comfort in knowing he's there and things are good and things are going to be okay. And now I look at this Liverpool team and this is probably my biggest issue is I look at this Liverpool team and I, I don't know who to trust. Nobody makes me feel safe. Um, um, Gundogan for Golden Boot? Certainly for PFA Player of the Year at the moment. Although that penalty was muck. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know what he's saying. he's trying to be too good there you know I don't think it's one of those as well the the reputation of Allison, the size of the guy as well he's Allison's... I think Gunnigan has missed penalties I think that's what got in his head he's like yeah got a good keeper here I've missed a few I'm gonna have to get this pinpoint top in and just completely messed it up I mean based on uh no statistical evidence whatsoever <laughs> um I don't know if Allison's that good at saving penalties I can uh, only, I can only remember one. Uh, 
but it's all between the ears. Yeah. Like, it's just, you look oh, at yeah. the guy going, oh yeah, he's going to save these. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm sure Pickford's good at saving penalties. But, yeah. Based on one penalty shootout, good lad. Exactly. You know, so. I, th- I thought it was great that the last roll of the dice as well was to bring on the Alpine Messi and see the, the difference he makes to Liverpool Football Club. Well, I think in it a big was, game. Yeah. Um, that's a problem for Liverpool. <laughs> and that's a problem that I'm sure they will uh, try their best to address at some point in the future. Well, I kind of thought he only came on just because Thiago was already on a booking. Because as, as we know now, the, the guy loves to dive in the tackles. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> loves it. Love, does love it. Like and the booking as well. Like it was a minute into the game, <laughs> it was like the complete wrong side to dive in from. Like didn't even get remotely close to the ball. Always does this thing where he points to the ball, like irrespective <laughs> of whether he's made any contact with it at all. Um, and I think it, I think he probably thought this is ninety seconds into the game. I'm going to get away with it, and quite rightfully, Michael Oliver said, "No, you're not." Yeah, he he has the whole perception of the Premier League of oh that's a tough league over there yeah. you know you, you get away with a bit more in England and that he's come to England and gone I get away with nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah, Liverpool are um, in the in the gutter a little bit at the moment. I think um, top four is going to be pushing up. It, it will be. I think um, part of the reason I'm able to stay so calm and, and maybe the more cynical listener will have picked up on this last week, but uh, I think great presence of mind from me to get out ahead of the story. Last week and, and really build up Manchester City and Ilkay Gundogan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. In, in, in case this did happen, then it's of course. very easy to turn around and say, well, please refer to my comments last week where I said this team were very good, therefore Absolutely. it doesn't matter. Yeah, pe- people, people will now be start to catch on that you're, you're like elite at the, like, can't be wrong answer. Can't be wrong. Yeah. Because in that situation, you know, Gundogan's had a great game and people oh, might have to go, oh, I, what the Scott's spot on. Unbelievable. I refer you back to my comments about Manchester City last week. They're very good. Yeah, whereas if it goes the other way, you're like, oh, he's a big fraud against Liverpool, can't do it at Anfield. Yeah. <laughs> it's a no-lose scenario, that, for me. Uh. Um, so it isn't, but um, yeah, Liverpool are in trouble. Man City are going to continue to run away with the league. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, it's done. Uh, yeah. yeah. Le- Leicester could finish second. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that would be great for me, personally, you know, because you used to still think he's, you know, Brendan Rodgers. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to when it happens. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, we, we talked a little bit about it earlier on. Um, what a week for Michael Dean. Ooh. Legend of the game. Ooh. He's just building on his season. Now, you see, my, my disappointment is that, um, Bill, you'll be aware as well, after his appearance on the Peter Crouch podcast, I actually don't became... Don't know what that is. Comes out after his appearance on a separate uh, football <laughs> podcast with multiple million downloads, um, I, I had a lot of respect for Mike Dean. Yeah. Um, great stories about working in the chicken factory, really down-to-earth guy. He's um, a ju- caddy, or he was a caddy on the ladies' European tour mm. during the yeah. off-season. Loves loves his sport, loves his daughter, loves Tramia Rovers. You know, great guy. Salt of the um, earth. Absolutely. Um, you know, experienced ref. Might, might love a card, but experienced ref. You know, he can he can get about. Um, I I'm not exaggerating. I'm I'm not. And I know people. I know I'm I'm one for hyperbole. I know I am. <laughs> he made the worst decision in football history uh, in the West Ham Fulham match. Um. And that was after watching the incident. I kid you not, 
roughly 30 times in the 3D model. <laughs> so for context, um, there was a very brief coming together between Thomas Suchek and uh, Alexander Mitrovich. I think there was a little bit of pushing and shoving, as there is at free kicks. And um, in a movement away from Mitrovich, Suchek appeared to graze Mitrovich's face with his forearm and yes. then immediately put his hands up and apologized and it was yes. quite clear or it looked quite clear that um it was purely accidental and there was very minimal contact yes but 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 the thing is it went to var and by the way the var person was lee mason um <laughs> for for a clenched fist because that would constitute violent conduct now i know we probably aren't anatomy experts but we're aware that our elbow is at the bottom of our forearm and our fist is at our hand. So the contact was with his elbow slash forearm to his face, not with his fist. Yet for some reason, this constituted a red card. Well, you can be sent off for elbowing somebody. But that's not what it went to VAR that's, for. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Which, which is hilarious and horrific. And Jimmy Redknapp almost lost his locker uh, with Kelly Cates afterwards, which is quite funny. Um, I, I mean, the best part about it was that after Moyes came out looking like Emperor Palpatine um, <laughs> in his hoodie and everything in the pouring rain, um, he just said, I'm embarrassed from Mike. So. Yeah, I actually think, I, I thought it was just a bit of harmless fun from Mike. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, let's be honest, this was a terrible game on a Saturday night. You know, you, you tune in on a Saturday night going, right, at least, at least give it was me awful. something as, as a neutral here. It was awful. And Mike, Mike's probably thinking the same thing. He's going, "Sorry, night. The people, the people need something here at home. Just a, just, just something to talk about." He's made a harder of a decision, but I think Mike knows in the back of his head, this is the ninety fourth minute. No one's going to score, so no one's really going to be like down points because no one's going to be too angry because we all know this is going to be rescinded. <laughs> you know, so there's like. No harm done to anyone here, other than a few people at West Ham who are going to have to put in the paperwork. Other than that, it's a bit of harmless crack. Mike's Mike's done something on Saturday night. Good on him. Well, I mean, yes. And then when Lingard crossed the ball in, it was to the exact area where Suchek was for the free kick afterwards, because we still got the free kick. So, well, um, now we're so talking that was real hypotheticals. This was not the only incident that Mike was involved in, because Mike also did referee the 9 0. United Southampton game where he sent off Jankovic in the first minute, which I don't think anyone has any complaints over. No doubt. Jankovic went in with the studs and I think caught McTominay about halfway up the thigh. That is Game's gone. That is in anybody's book a red card, and I don't think anyone had any issues with that. What people did take issue with was uh, him then sending Bednarek off at like 7-0 for um, Martial kind of, I don't want to say I don't want to say dive because there was a degree of contact, but Bednarek had his arms in the air. He was trying to get out of the way of it. Martial left his foot there uh, and at 7-0 saw red, which was then again later rescinded. And I'm sure he's glad it was because it allowed him to go and score an own goal in the following game. Um, but there then was, um, there was a, I think Southampton put a request or there were rumours that Southampton put a request into the league that Mike Dean not be allowed to officiate their games in the future, uh, unverified. And there was today a petition which 
Uh, last time I checked before hitting record, had 3,400 signatures for Mike Dean to uh, be dismissed from his position as Premier <laughs> League referee, um, which we can't advocate for. I'm, I'm not in the business well, of wishing anyone to lose their livelihood, but I'm just explaining this is what has happened as an outcome. People are getting a little bit fed up of Mike's antics. People think he's drunk on par. And they think <laughs> he's trying to sort of control the narrative too much. Garth Crooks lost his mind in a, in a oh, final score on BBC that mm. he does. Oh, there's Soccer Saturday nonsense. Yeah, on BBC. so yeah, um, right. he, he had a very passionate, um, <laughs> uh, heated moment when when explaining his views on Mike Dean. People seem to be coming to the end of their tether with Mike here. No, I I actually thought there was there was talk at the end of last season about Mike hanging up the boots. He's like 55. I know, to be fair, he's still going, but I think, well, we can all look at him and it's no whenever it happens to your team. Yeah. So it is, it's like, oh God, we've got Mike Dean on here. We need to see what, what's this rock star going to do. But I genuinely think at the end of the season, if Mike does hang up the boots, we're all going to miss him a bit. Completely. It's one of a few refs with a bit of personality behind him. You just see Mike coming over the cards, you know, it's going to be a good day. Mm. And again, when you, when I, I, I love that request from Southampton. Like, yeah. that is, that's an all time move just to oh, weaponize your hatred of certain referees. Well, it puts, the, it puts the Premier League in a horrible position because they can't approve that request because then everyone will do it. Oh, um, Joe, but every, equally, equally they, <laughs> they can't very well turn around and, say, and usually whenever a ref's had a controversial moment like you think of the David Coote um, one with which um, one with well yeah with Liverpool <laughs> at the beginning of the season Coote was then meant to do a Liverpool game a couple of weeks later and was removed from it so the Premier League I think intentionally they can't do the ones that support yeah. yeah, if there's been a if there's been a controversial moment, they tend to move that referee away from those games anyway. But now it's like the Premier League are in a position where, like, do they have to show their alpha hood and just put Mike on the next Southampton game just to prove a point? Like, no, you can't send those emails to us. You can't listen, undermine our authority. Listen, give me a go. I swear I'd be better. I, you would like a card as well. Yeah, you'd be worse. You would love it. So yeah. diving, D- diving would be book. eradicated from football if I was a referee. Well. <laughs> We there have, if you remember, uh, wasn't there? Clattenburg did a thing where where he came out one oh. day and he said, oh. "I went into this game with a preconceived agenda yeah. of like I wasn't going to send anyone off regardless oh. of what happened." Yeah. I remember Chris uh, refereeing some game in Scotland yes. at the amateur level, mm-hmm. um, and Got went into it, it yeah. went into it with the preconceived idea of I will book anybody who I even think remotely dives. And I believe you booked somebody early doors for what you call yes. simulation. I booked multiple people, and the, the real issue was I didn't actually have the physical cards. Um, so I, I was merely projecting that they had been booked. And I was surprised. I was slightly taken aback by the the, the scorn and the, the depth of people's hatred of the referee in, in, in that. It was a real eye-opener. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I just love the idea of like someone after that game putting in their own request of, we don't want Chris Ringland anywhere near us again. Mm. Well, Chris, have you refed since? No, <laughs> but moving on. But <laughs> um, pitches were another topic that came up a couple of Brilliant. times this week. Brilliant. Um, so we we talked about Leeds' horrendous pitch, mm-hmm. not Premier League quality, a couple weeks ago. So they seem to buy a pitch off Spurs or something like that. An NFL pitch. The bought the bought a pitch. Um, <laughs> in the Leeds Everton game, nobody could stay on their feet. <laughs> Uh, everyone was just slipping left, right, and center, um, and Leeds lost. So, so great, great start for the new pitch. 
Yeah, I don't know what that will have been, whether the roots haven't taken yet or, or what the crack is with that. Brendan Rodgers also was talking about the pitch. I think um, he was saying something this week about the Leicester pitch is 18 years old. And he said it's starting to show it. And he wants fast turf. This turf's not fast enough. <laughs> he wants quick turf. He wants like quick that. turf. I like that by Brandon. Yeah. I'm all about just talking about how quick the turf quick is. The you know. surface is. It's you why know, I hate the FA Cup. It's slow turf. But yeah. you see, you see Leicester. I, I assume you've seen the the new training facilities they've got as well. Uh, have you heard about that? Oh yeah, they're phenomenal. They're, yeah. Are we start like? Are we at the stage where we're starting to say it's a top seven, or there's like, or Leicester are moving into an elite? Oh, you're wondering if they're one of the big boys. Yeah, like when, when does that conversation start? I think it's first of all, I think you have to you know praise the investment they've put into the club. They're doing all of the right steps. Yeah, I think you become an elite club. I think it's like a wages thing because that tends to attract mm. top players. Like mm. I think if you're somebody who pays sort of middle of the road in wages, you're good players will eventually always consider leaving to go up to hmm. those soccer bigger wage yep. packets. Yep. So I think that's yep. part of it. Yeah, I think they can attract people with, with those facilities because uh, apparently they are like state-of-the-art. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like if you're a Leicester player and you get the call from City, are you ever going to turn it down? No, 100% you are. Like even, you even look at last summer, Chitwell gets one call from Frank and he was... Straight, straight up, straight down yeah. the road. Down well, the let's see what happens after another season in the Champions League. Yeah, well, and it's a good point, it. obviously, if, if they can sort of get there a couple of years in the row. Well, Liverpool play on Thursday get, nights. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, if you make the Champions League a couple of years in a row, then the money that comes in from that, you can then pay players a little bit more, and that's sort of how you sort of incrementally work oh, your yeah. way up. But um, in terms of are they a big boy yet, yeah, they're not a big boy. Uh, they, they can take Arsenal's place. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, deadline day was also this week. <laughs> happened. I think it's tough, especially this year where nothing happened, that they're trying to fill 24 hours exactly. of coverage. Exactly. But deadline day in general has died since the year... Odin Wingy? Cr- no, the, the year the crowds took up too far. Mm-hmm. Started, At Stoke? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. start getting involved a bit yes. too much with the reporters and putting things in their ears, you know. <laughs> that guy, that was a great moment and hilarious when it happened, but he killed deadline day without knowing it. Yeah, uh, the, the peak was that and Peter Odenwingy showing up to QPR yeah. with nothing then, booked. Yeah. And then also whenever like Harry Redknapp left the game, you know, yeah. you, you didn't have that moment of, oh, is Harry going to show up? Come on here, who's Harry? Nico? Where's Nico and the boys, <laughs> Jermaine, get the band back together? There's none of that anymore. It's, but you see, the thing is, they had Harry Redknapp on the program, like on the deadline day program. And I, it was like, I, it was a travesty. You know, <laughs> it didn't work. I think that's the problem. Like Billy said, they have to fill a day's worth of TV and they get maybe... Well, they don't have to. It's their choice. Well, you know? yeah, but like Sky Sports News runs all day anyway. So when they do their deadline day, they probably get like 10 bits of breaking news, like in terms of transfers over the course of that day. And they have to make that into a 13, 14 hour show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be fair, they had their storyline this year of um, Liverpool bringing in two centre backs, including one that is from Schalke and who knows if he's any good. Who I just saw before we came on the the pod that they're bottom of the Bundesliga with eight points. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. So, but, but I'm sure it's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure, sure. <laughs> I already told you this podcast, Chris. Doesn't matter the Bundesliga. Those boys can't adapt to this league. Sure, got some love no. from Portugal. They tried to. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy, who's in the mud this week? Uh, in the mud, it's the famous Dutch team Ajax. 
a team a, a team famous for bottling a semi-final against Tottenham Hotspur and <laughs> every year winning a league where the third best team are a bunch of 18-year-old loanees from Chelsea. <laughs> that, that, is, that, right, right. <laughs> that, that, is, that is uncalled for. That is an outrageous summary of that club. Which bet the fact that they're bottlers or the, the fact that the Dutch league is, is full they've of produced every They've produced every good footballer the world's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Were, did, were the Netherlands not like... Was there not an era where they were like the best this, at this sport? I mean, they've been alright and they've been alright recently. They got the semi-final of the Champions League and then... With Donny van de Beek? Yeah, certain players like Donny, Frankie de Jong bottled it. Right. Well, okay. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so it's been an interesting week for the Dutch Giants. It was announced on Thursday that Ajax had forgot to include their £22 million signing, Sebastian Haller, for the knockout stages of the Europa League. Uh, all the clubs had until uh, Tuesday, February 2nd to submit their squads, but Ajax just completely forgot. And to, uh, to compound matters, Ajax actually did remember to include uh, Usama Idrissi, who they signed on deadline day from Svea to play. He's actually yet to play a game, whereas Haller actually has, and people know who he is. In a short statement on the club's website, they said, "Youth has informed Ajax that winter purchase Haller will definitely not be available in the Europe League for the rest of the season. Due to an administrative error at Ajax, uh, the striker was not registered on the list of players for the Europa League, which had to be submitted by the 2nd of February. The player who came to Ajax from West Ham United can be used in the league matches and cup matches. Um, whenever the manager was asked about it, he said, simply a mistake, not should have, uh, should not have happened. Uh, Ten Hag said Haller's name was on a computerized list of players, but a box next to his name was not checked when sent to UEFA. Ten Hag then uh, said, there is never a dull moment in Amsterdam. So, <laughs> There you go, because we, we okay. chatted about Haller earlier in the year, about like yes. how you said he, he wanted to play in the Champions League. Well, yes. He's not even getting European competition here. It's a tough break for Seb. <laughs> the cynical part of me wonders, was this really an administrative error? Well, he said, and we joked, and we kind of laughed at him for saying that he wanted to go to Ajax to play in the Champions League. <laughs> Do you think he maybe wrote it in? Whenever he signed the contract, he was like, use my piss off if you think I'm participating in that Thursday night nonsense. Exactly. I've seen some of the teams that are, that are left in that competition going, nah, boys, no. I've become accustomed to a certain lifestyle. <laughs> Could be that. Um, the if, from Sevilla hasn't got it in. If it is a genuine admin error, like, how many people are involved in that process? I, I love how he's comparing, like, the Amsterdam drug scene to, like, checking check a box. You know, <laughs> not, you know, so that was crazy Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, there's uh, been, been another big error in Amsterdam. Oh, yes. Uh, with Ajax Involving drugs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andre Unana, who has been hit with a one-year doping ban after oh. failing an out-of-competition drugs test, uh, which he claims came after he accidentally took his wife's medicine. The 24-year-old was tested in October when Furo Sim... Oh dear. Good effort. I'm going to get slammed by like the <laughs> doctors who listen to this. Furo Semide was found in his urine, and resulting in the 12 month ban. Uh, in a statement, they said on the morning of October 30th, Onana was feeling unwell. He wanted to take a pill to ease discomfort. Unknowingly, 
he took a pill that uh, was a drug for his wife, which she had she had been previously prescribed. Onana's confusion resulted in him mistaking his wife's medicine, ultimately causing uh, this measure to be taken by UEFA against the goalkeeper. Furthermore, the disciplinary body of the Football Association has stated that Onana has no intention of cheating. However, the European Football Association believes on the basis of the applicable anti-doping rules that an athlete has a duty at all times to ensure that no banned substances enter the body. Now, looking into it a bit, I was actually wondering what this drug he's yeah, taking it do? Yeah, actually yeah. does. And it turns out it's used to treat high blood pressure and to help with like heart failure and stuff. But there's one interesting side effect of it, and it is that it is sometimes used to help people pee whenever their kidneys aren't working. Which, when writing this, I was like, this is now the second time this season that during In the Mud we'll be talking about a goalkeeper peeing. <laughs> Actually, on the NHS website, it says not to take it after 4pm, otherwise you'll have to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet. But it's not; it doesn't actually promote your performance. It is, the idea behind it is that because it accelerates uh, your pee cycle, that if you're taking something else and you're trying to flush it out of your body before you have a drugs test, that that'll happen a lot quicker. So that's why you have to have this completely banned. So that's what they said. Just it can mask other prohibited substances, but I, I thought a twelve month ban was a bit was a bit much. I was actually looking to see if there was a bit of precedent behind this. Colo Toure, Colo Toure is the man, Chris. Well, Sounds very, was... very very similar to his excuse. Colo yeah. Toure well, I... had admitted to taking an unspecified substance contained in some water tablets he also obtained from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever whoever was the chairman of the commission that looked into that said uh, they were happy with the Ivory Coast International as he did not intend to enhance sporting performance or to mask the use of a performance enhancer. So yeah, exactly the same situation. Just blame it on the wife. And was Colo banned? Colo is initially banned for 12 months um, because they thought he didn't intend to cheat. They brought it down to six. Right. And ostensibly his performance got worse. But I quite like the idea of like, I would like to go back and find out what the exact date was whenever he took this and to look at like Ajax fixtures around them. Oh, just, yes. Just to yes. see if the whole urine thing like did matter. Like if you're looking at him like during the 45 minutes, just busting to get off the pitch. <laughs> um, wasn't there an incident a few years ago when Mamadou Sako was at Liverpool? Oh Didn't yeah! Didn't he get banned? He got, he got banned during like a Europa League campaign, and he, then like years the later, final. yeah, like years later, UEFA came out and apologized and said, "Oh yeah, he actually did nothing wrong. That was our mistake, or something." Yeah, yeah, it was lined up to play in the final against Sevilla, I think, and then yeah, it came out that UEFA were like, "Oh yeah, he was completely fine. That doesn't enhance performance at all." Yeah. So so they can't get it wrong completely, and I think it does look like a mess up. And, it's it's a bit tough going that it's a full year ban from the game. So was it that Onana then failed drugs test, or did he report that he'd taken this? So whenever he took a standard drugs test, he then they they, they find that flagged up on the system, right, and then they okay. thought if you're taking that, what else might you be taking? But we'll, we'll see what happens. It's twelve months at the minute, but I reckon this could be another Kolotura one brought down the six. Hmm. Oh, we'll keep tabs on that. Um. I think that pretty much brings us to the end of 
today. Um, the season, sadly, still has a lot of games to go. Um, FA Cup week? Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> give over. <laughs> FA Cup midweek fixtures, boys. Is it? Oh, oh, that all oh, right. Right, well, we'll, we'll not be talking about that next week. I really like football back. Um, one point that we did just want to say is uh, to everyone who uh, continues to listen to these podcasts and, and we've seen some people like sharing them and their stories and things like that um, it, we really do appreciate it we hit uh, another big milestone in terms of downloads last week so we just wanted to say on behalf of the three of us um, a big thank you to the people who listen and, and you know send us abusive DMs about things that we've said that are wrong um, we do actually appreciate all this thanks for getting involved and, and please keep continuing to do so Boys, any final words? <laughs> Just cheers to everyone. And there's a fraud. Um, Sheffield United are up. <laughs> you do deserve abuse at times. Anyway. <gasps> Thank you all for listening. See you next week.